0: thanks for tuning into this week's message on the Antioch Indie podcast. We're a church that exists to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. We hope you encounter Jesus today while you listen to this message. Have an amazing day. Everybody said, amen, 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 amen. Go ahead and sit down give somebody a hug. If you feel like you just have to, if you're one of the huggy people, hopefully you're sitting next to a non huggy person and, Everybody say bye, kiddos. All right, pull out your Bibles, something to take notes with this morning. You guys ready to hear from the Word of God? We've got the blessing of hearing from one of the awesome people who preach at our church. She's amazing, she always brings the fire. It's gonna be better than we even think it's gonna be. I hope your heart's open. You got Bibles and notes? You're gonna need them. Check on your neighbor. Ladies and gentlemen, please honor Karis Frege as she comes up to share the word with us this morning. Thanks, Steve. Um, Well, whoa. As Andrew said, my name is Karis Frege. My whole name is weird. The only, like, my first name used to be the only part that was weird and then I got married. Um, But my husband, Chad, is in the back and he's helping me with slides. So this is teamwork. Uh, But we met 14 years ago at Baylor University. And when we met, we started to go to an Antioch church there. And Antioch for us was really the we'd grown up knowing about God in Christian homes, having a relationship with God. But it was the first time that we felt permission to do what Steve talked about last week, if any of you were here. And that was to hear God's voice, not just through the Bible and for the big theological things, but to hear his voice in a very personal level for our lives. And it really changed the trajectory of our whole life. And 10 years ago, we moved to this city. And I love Indianapolis for the people that are here, because I hate the cold. But the people have redeemed Indianapolis for me. And I don't know, but this city, there's something about it. There are so many amazing pockets of people in different churches in this city. So really for seven years, we went to different churches asking God, would you please like bring an Antioch church plant? But then we'd find amazing people and amazing groups of people and a lot of friends who well, four years ago when Andrew and Heather, who we knew, um, came to us and said they were planting in Antioch here. It was actually kind of hard for our hearts because we'd grown so attached to different people in different churches and just what God was doing in the city. And then the Lord made it really clear we were supposed to come here. And thankfully, a lot of our friends came too, so that was nice. It was a nice bonus. But that's how we landed here. And um, my husband and I, we went through kind of the hardest, it was the hardest time of our life, right after our church was planted, after Antioch came. Our son was four years old and was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and our hearts were in this terrible place. And we needed a small group of crazy people to pray with us and believe with us and show up at chemo with us. And this room became family for us. And I'm so excited this year just seeing who God has brought I feel like he is growing this specific part of his body in Indianapolis, and it's just like thrilling to look around and see the people that he's bringing. It's so encouraging. Um, and we have four kids, my husband and I. So our son is the second born who was diagnosed, and we have three girls. And if I look pregnant, it's because I am with, yes, <laughs> with our fifth. And uh, this baby is really a result of what Steve talked about last week. This series that we're in is called Prepare Him Room, and it's all about when God speaks that we get to hear him, and he wants to speak. He wants to speak at a macro level to all of us, but he also wants to speak very personally. And it was when our son was in treatment that Chad and I began to feel separately that God wanted us to have another baby, and it was really crazy timing. We were halfway through 36 weeks plus of chemo, and um, it just felt like one of those words you had to kind of shelve. Like, we're like, okay, God, maybe you're saying this, maybe we're just emotional, you know, maybe we're feeling a lot. And uh, we had a couple people confirm it, including my mother-in-law, Sandy, who's in this room. And Sandy came in, and one morning to treatment, she was amazing through the whole thing. She would come and give us relief halfway through these, like, all-day treatments and inpatient. And she was a champ, and she would help Cade with everything. And uh, so one morning she shows up, and she's like, guess what the Lord said when I was praying this morning. And... (laughs) If you know Sandy, you know that she is an intercessor, and she gets, yeah, she gets very specific direction that changes a lot of people's lives. So she came in, and she said that, and Chad and I were like, what? What did he say? We would love good news. And she said, you are not done having kids. And uh, thankfully, God had told us first, because I think that would have felt a lot, you know. Uh, But the timing of it all was just so crazy, and it felt like hope. In a very dark season and it was a promise that we held on to and when our son i will tell more of the story throughout the message but when he was told that he was able to go to school and his scans were clean and we were like rejoicing god brought up this promise in my heart and i was like i need to heal i need just a minute i can't go into pregnancy because if you've ever been pregnant you know it's a lot of work and a lot of emotional you're just in a weird place and uh for nine months and i'd just been in a weird place for nine months so i thought like this will be years down the road, and God sometimes expedites healing when he wants something to happen. I'm still healing so much, but in July of this year, I saw a woman who was very pregnant in a grocery store. And I don't know if you guys can relate to this, not guys, but you women, where you see someone very pregnant and you're like, ah, I gotta do it. Like, I gotta be there. (laughs) You guys ever feel that way? No. Week 40 is like the best week, because you're almost done. And I saw her and I was like, okay, it's it's time to go. And uh, so about a month later, Thankfully, graciously by God, we are pregnant with our fifth, and uh, so it's just so awesome, the promises of God fulfilled, and I want to say, I think Steve set it up so well last week, he took took the character of Joseph in the Christmas story, Jesus' father, and he talked about when God speaks, and we can hear him, and the permission to hear him, and that we all hear him differently, but sometimes when he speaks, things in our life have to shift. Things in our life have to move. Sometimes he speaks and it fits in perfectly, and you're like, great, I just needed that like, check, yes, you're doing the right thing, keep going. And then sometimes he speaks and it halts everything, and you have to reorient everything. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. The name of this message is Clear the Clutter, because sometimes in our lives and in our hearts, there's some clutter. It um, made me think about our home when we bring the Christmas tree in. Our house was built in the late 80s, so it's kind of boxy, and thankfully, we got it, and they had knocked out a lot of walls, but our living room is still a little bit boxy, so when we bring our Christmas tree up, we have to move a significant amount of stuff. Anybody else, you have to move stuff to make room for your Christmas tree. So we roll up the rug, we take the kid's toy, like huge bin that keeps me sane, down to the basement, and so now, like, I'm like, what do I do with all these toys, and I just like chuck them over the edge, um, but we also take a seat out of our sofa, and then The orientation of our whole room changes from the TV and the fireplace, obviously, to the tree. Rightly so, because it's the season. And I feel like sometimes when God speaks, we have to be willing to do that. We have to be willing to shift and reorient and and change the perspective and sometimes even remove things from our lives. So that's what we're going to look at today. In Luke chapter 1, y'all can open to that. We're going to talk about how do we actually make room for God when he speaks. Um, One thing I love about Luke is he was a doctor, um, so he was very um, methodical and very detail-oriented, which I'm not. But I appreciate people like that because they help give a better perspective of the full story. In some of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they kind of give you more theological, or they give you like the short bits. But Luke really gives us a lot of detail, which I appreciate because it gives so much of the story. So we're going to get in here, and we're actually starting with the birth of John the Baptist. So he was the forerunner, the one who prepared the way for Jesus. It says that all of Israel was going out to John, John the Baptist, to be baptized for the repentance of sin. So they're turning from their sin so that their hearts were made ready so that when Jesus came on the scene, they were people who were ready. Okay? So this is what we're getting into. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1. Everybody there? All right. Am I reading the right version? No. Now it happened. though. Yeah, okay. Sorry. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a... Oh, no, I already read that. Sorry. Let's keep going. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God, and he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense, He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents, to make their children in the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years, which is rude. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news and now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So I love the word of God. Because when you read things you have to look for clues and there's a lot of clues in this chapter. To recap briefly, Zechariah and Elizabeth are part of the priestly line. So they're part of this Levitical line, which when you read in the Old Testament, the Levites were chosen basically because when Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, all the one million people left in the wilderness took all their jewelry from Egypt, and they thought, well, Moses has been gone for 40 days, and who knows where God is, so we better, like, make our own God. So they took their jewelry, they burned it down, they made a calf, and they started to worship it. Moses and God hear it, and they're both really upset. Moses comes down the mountain, and he says, who will burn burn with zeal basically against these people for disobeying God who will help me punish the unrighteous so that the whole generation doesn't get wiped out because that's what was about to happen and the Levites Moses's family come over and they're like we will So basically, it's a pretty violent story. You can work it out with the Lord. But there's this group of people who are the Levites, and now they're chosen by God to be the priests. They stand on behalf of the people in God. The people said, we don't want direct relationship with God. We want someone to go between. So the priests are now the people who go between. So there are these people who offer sacrifices and incense. They offer prayer on behalf of the people. So here we have Zechariah and Elizabeth. Both of them are from priestly families. They tried to keep the priestly lines pure by having priests married like daughters of priests. See? So we have these two people. Another clue. They are righteous and they are blameless. They walk before the Lord righteously and blamelessly. This is a clue to me um, that sometimes you have good people, really good people, They're obeying God, but something happens. Elizabeth is barren. In a time when having a child was like a sign of your fruitfulness, a sign of God's favor, a sign of blessing, it was really what women felt like was their worth, which is not true. But at the time, that was what was believed, that they weren't able to have a child. So to them, this is our first clue that something is broken. It's the the age-old situation of why do bad things happen to good people. And I imagine they lived in a pretty small village, and probably a lot of people... We're wondering with them, why can't you guys have kids? You do everything right. Maybe you do something wrong. Maybe you have secret sins that we don't know about, and that's why God's punishing you. Because that's kind of how things worked in the Old Testament. They believed that like the law made you right with God, so if you're not fulfilling the law, you're getting punished. Therefore, these people must not be as good as they seem, maybe. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they have this question mark in their hearts. okay? And this is why it works out that when an angel comes, and no one has seen an angel, and they think in like 400 years up to that point... Now, when Zechariah goes in to offer incense, which some people think this could have been the only time in his life that he's allowed to do this. He's allowed to burn incense, which is essentially praying. He's praying before the Lord on behalf of the people, offering incense. An angel shows up. The angel tells him exactly what his heart used to want to hear, and he can't even hear it. He can't even receive it. He's so convinced that it couldn't have happened. Before we give him a hard time... I wanna say that sometimes disappointment happens in our lives without us even knowing it. I think this angel comes and he says, the prayer that you've been praying has been heard. And I think Zechariah, he's offering incense, so he's already been praying on behalf of the people. And I bet in that like millisecond moment, he's like, what was I just praying? What did I just pray for the people? Like trying to figure it out. And then the angel says, your wife's gonna have a baby. And he's like, whoa, I haven't prayed that prayer maybe in decades. Like we don't know how old he is, but it could have been a really long time that he let that dream go. And you know, that's okay. It's okay to ask God for something when you don't get it. Sometimes our hearts want to protect and we want to say, that's okay, we're gonna have an open hand before God, which seems right and in some cases totally is. And then in some cases, you're supposed to contend for something and to keep fighting and to keep asking. And I think in some ways we're seeing here that what Zachariah, his heart had grown sick over this issue and because it felt so painful, he stopped hoping for a child He stopped praying for a child and he gave up this prayer. But the beautiful thing about God is he's so relentlessly personal, he doesn't forget. He doesn't forget our prayers. I was reading um, a commentary on this and Matthew Henry says, prayers of faith are filed in heaven and are not forgotten, though the things prayed for is not presently given. Prayers made when we were young and coming into the world may be answered when we are old and going out of the world. I think for... For Zachariah, in this moment, the prayer that you've prayed, he's like, I haven't prayed that in years. And I don't, Revelation wasn't written yet, so he couldn't possibly have known this verse. That in Revelation, it, it talks about how our prayers, the prayers of the saints, are like bowls of incense before the Lord. Now, he knew, like, I'm offering incense, but bowls of incense, I was just thinking about this, and how our prayer is like bowls of incense which smell and how smell has memory attached to it. You know what I mean? Like you smell something and it brings you right back. For me, it's like getting out the baby's onesies. Like I like smell like baby poop and I'm like, yes, I love that. Like I just just get reminded of like having my babies. But it makes me think that maybe the Lord remembers our prayers like that. When he remembers our prayers, he like smells like, oh, I remember when they used to ask me for this. I remember when Zechariah and Elizabeth were a newlywed couple and they would ask me for a child and I loved the smell of that. So he just would be like, hey, let's put that in the altar of incense. Like I want to smell that again. I want to breathe that in again. And I think in this moment God's showing how he loves us so much. And yet here Zechariah; he's allowed this disappointment in. I don't even know if he knew he'd allowed it in. And he probably didn't know this, but disappointment shrinks God. It shrinks him from how big he is to what we can see and what we can understand. It shrinks him because we can't handle, if God is so big and he can do anything, then why is he not doing this for me? And it feels safer if I can just keep God really small. Like, oh, he just can't, he couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. So I'm not going to, I don't have to be mad at him now. I don't have to talk to him about this now. I can just be like, it's okay. I'm going to cover your weakness, God. I'm going to cover the fact that you didn't do this for me. You know what I mean? Like we kind of do this, even though it sounds so ridiculous. We do this, and we keep him at a distance. I think Zachariah was probably moving forward in many areas of his life. He was a righteous man. He walked blamelessly. But I think this one area was like, oh, that's my trigger. You can't hit my trigger. You know how um, this past year I've learned, when you have triggers, your brain has a way of coping. So something happens, a word is said, and your brain has a way of coping. And I think this was his trigger, was this son issue, was having a child. And his trigger was to cope by saying, well, I'm old and my wife is old. And it's okay. We're okay. Instead of airing it out before God, saying, actually, it's not okay. I've been really hurt by this and really confused by this. I think think he didn't know he maybe had freedom to say that. And the reason I think he didn't have freedom is because we see this heart sickness in his response to the angel. You know, Proverbs 13, verse 12, it says that a hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I can relate to this. Um, I think in many ways I saw Zachariah taking this bucket of faith that he had had to have a child. Like he had this bucket. Here's his faith for having a son. And he got to the bottom of it. And he's like, okay. So he just turns it over and he sits on it. He's like, I don't have to believe for that anymore. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't have to pray for that anymore. And I wonder if he had continued to pray for it, if God would have spoken different promises to him and to Elizabeth. So that when the angel came, instead of being like really shocked, he would have been like, oh, God's already been saying that. I'm so glad you agree, Gabriel. Like, I'm so glad you're telling me what I already know. But instead, I think he, he was afraid to keep praying. And so he sat on top of that like bucket of faith. And he allowed disappointment to make his heart feel sick. In Psalm 56, verse 8, there's this really precious verse. It says, you have taken account of my wanderings. You have put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? The minute we think that we need to protect God from our disappointment, we've severed intimacy. We've severed we've our ability to enter fully in. And I love when you read Psalms, it's like, there are some Psalms, I was reading this the other day and I actually related to it, but he says, turn your face away from me so that I may have delight before I die, like to God. <laughs> He's like, get away from me. Like, I can't handle you looking at me anymore because you're hurting my life. That's really honest. <laughs> and we almost feel like that's not okay to pray that way. But if we're gonna be in relationship with God, in the the god side of it is he sees everything so far in advance that his perspective is always going to be different than ours and we're just seeing the now and the now feels really painful it can feel hard to trust him fully to give him our disappointment and to air it out before him you know when our son was going through treatment we got really great results about 15 weeks through and then at week 30 we went in for scans And um, they found four new places in his lungs. He'd had over, I think it was over 13 tumors in his lungs. And they found these four new places. And we'd been praying and believing and we thought we were victorious. And then this news comes. In my heart, it was like dark curtain over my heart. I couldn't relate to God. I couldn't pray the same way I'd been praying. I remember going home and like Chad was still full of the same amount of faith for Cade to be healed. And I was like, I just can't pray that way anymore. Like, I have to protect my heart, because if I lose my son, I can't be mad at God, because I think I thought being mad was not okay. But in any relationship, you're going to be mad at someone, you know, especially when you're dealing with a great big God, and you're just little you, and you have to be okay airing out your heart before him. Because he knows that when you don't air out your heart before him, you're keeping a secret from him, and then you can't receive what he wants to do. And here we have Zechariah in this story, and he can't receive the promise of what God wants to give him because this disappointment is like, it's like a root. It's so deep. He doesn't know how to get it out. He just knows his heart is sick over this issue. And he can't even believe an angel in front of him. And I feel like the Lord wants to say to us today to, like, to, to clear the clutter of disappointment Sometimes it's just there, and clearing the clutter is just letting him know it's there. I'm disappointed. I feel sad, and I feel hurt. You know, the Lord can handle your disappointment. He can handle you telling him that stuff. And if you read through the Psalms, like, it's almost like Daniel, I mean, David has, like, a little bit of, like, personality disorder. Because, like, one is, like, he's, like, so mad, and then the next one, he's, like, so happy. And then halfway through, he gets mad again, and, and you're, like, confused. But I think the point is honesty, And that's what clearing the clutter is sometimes, is like honesty, like when you pull up your rug, you know, to move your Christmas tree and there's a bunch of crap under your rug and you're like, oh, shoot, didn't say that. That's kind of how it is when God speaks. Sometimes we're like, oh man, I didn't even know that was there. I didn't even know I was unable to believe that. What I love is Zechariah's story does get redeemed. We're going to go to the very bottom of chapter 1. Start in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. They shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. They were going to name him after his father. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. They made signs to Zechariah. And he's like, no, he writes it down. His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. I want to say, I think Zechariah had nine months of silence because he didn't believe. And in those nine months, he began to meditate on what the angel did say, that his name would be John. And John means God is gracious. Now, gracious is full of grace. And the word grace, I love Um, one person, A.W. Tozer, said, Grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. It can often be defined as God's unmerited favor. So I think Zechariah felt his own unworthiness and knew that God is gracious. God's good, even when my disappointment kept me from believing him. And he'd been meditating on that. And the minute he agrees with the angel, his name is John, his tongue is loosed. And he's able to fully enter into the promise of God. So I want to say, well, there is hope for us if you feel like disappointment is being pointed out in your own life. That we can meditate on the truth that God is gracious. Now I want to switch really quickly, because we only have a couple of minutes. But Mary is the second part of the story. And she gets it right. So we're going to look at why she gets it right she says um okay sorry she says in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy god sent the angel gabriel to nazareth the town in galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary says, How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is in her fifth month, and she who was able to, unable to conceive is in her sorry sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. So we're going to jump down. Mary goes to Zacharias' house. When Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, the baby leaps in her womb. And she says, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Okay, so Mary is given a promise that she is going to have a baby. And she is a girl engaged to be married. So I want to say we're moving on from the disappointment side of what we have to move into the dream side. I think we see that Mary has this dream of being a very normal Galilean girl. She's going to get pregnant. She's going to have kids. She's going to be married to the man she loves. And she's going to live a normal suburban life. And that's her dream, right? Like she's excited about this dream. So this angel comes very similarly to Zechariah, and I'm sure Gabriel on the way was like, I'm hoping for a better response. Like I would hate to mute Mary for nine months. So Mary <laughs> hears the, what the angel says, and she asks a question too. Except her question isn't rooted in disbelief, it's just rooted in like, how is this gonna happen? Because I'm a virgin. And I think she's thinking in that moment, Okay, the angel's going to say, you go get married to Joseph tonight. Now, in that time, a man had to come and get his wife at the proper time. So she's like, that's going to be awkward, but, like, I'm, pre- I'm okay. I'm going to do it. And you're going to go to him, and you're going to say, we need to get married. We need to get pregnant quick because, like, I'm going to have the Messiah, right? I think maybe in that moment she could have been thinking that. Like, how is this going to be? Perfect. He's going to tell me this. It's going to be a little awkward. I'm going to do it. And instead, he says, no, no, right now the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, and you're going to get pregnant outside of wedlock which in that time was highly scandalous. And she's also in a small village, and she also had a good reputation. The angel says, like, you found favor with God. She's a good little girl. And she's hearing that all those dreams, all this reputation that she had had, she now has to move out of the way. Not give up, because she still is gonna be able to marry Joseph in the end, she doesn't know this at the time, but she has to submit her dreams. Sometimes it's easy to think when God speaks, He's going to speak into my little world. It's going to perfectly fit. It's going to be all about me because everything's all about me, right? Like your life is all about me and how it's going to benefit me. But instead, God is always trying to get us to see that life is best when it's not all about you. When we join the momentum of what he's already doing. Like there's a moving river of what God's doing and he's inviting us to jump in. He's not like, here, let me just splash you over there. You feel good? Great. Like he wants us in. But in order to get in, we have to move our dreams and desires and reorient them around what he's doing. And this is what Mary had in that moment is the choice of will I trust God? Will I say you can have this dream? And really, I've protected myself my whole life. I've protected my reputation. I've lived rightly, and I'm going to give that up before you, even though that doesn't even make sense. And I love that Mary has more faith here than Zechariah. Zechariah makes more sense for a man and a woman to have a baby, right? Than for a woman alone with God to have a baby. Like she didn't have any reference for this. Like, yes, happened two years down, totally know how this is gonna work, (laughs) right? Like she has no idea how this is gonna work. She just knows God says it and so she believes it. Faith makes theological look logical. I love how the angel says to her, She says, for no word from God will ever fail. That's in verse 137. I have a bunch of translations that I have put up. And they say, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. No word from God will be without power or impossible of fulfillment. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing is impossible for God. You get the idea. Bill Johnson says, an accurate translation of this verse is, no freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you that does not contain its own ability to perform itself. The power is not in the vessel it's planted in. It's in the word itself. God is asking us, will you allow me to bring the impossible out of you? Will you surrender to my word? Like Mary in Luke one thirty-eight? let our hearts respond. Let it be to me according to your word. I think Mary in this moment understood in faith that all she had to do was say yes and make room for God to do everything he had to do. He was responsible for causing the baby to be born. And and I think she heard promise in the name Jesus. The name Jesus means that Yahweh is salvation, restoration, and deliverance. And I think in that moment, maybe she was thinking about that name and thinking, all my dreams that I'm about to give up, I'm hearing that my baby's name is going to be Yahweh. God is salvation, he's restoration, and he's deliverance. So I can trust him with my dreams, that he's going to restore them, He's going to deliver me from being made fun of or being the the source of whispers. I think she chose to have faith that God's going to do it, and I can trust him. I love to kind of mean, but Elizabeth is like, blessed is she who hears what God says and believes it. Because for six months, Elizabeth's been living with a mute man while she's (laughs) pregnant. And I, I, I mean, sometimes that would be helpful, but most of the time, I'd just be mad at Chad. Like, why didn't you believe? You know? Come on. Now you can't even talk, and, like, I have to do everything, and I would be mad. So I think Elizabeth is a little bit like Mary's in Zachariah's house, and she's like, why can't Zachariah talk? And she's like, I'll tell you why. And then she finds out, you know, like, I'll tell you why. You believe God, and he didn't. Like, what is wrong with you? That's how I would feel. I don't know if that's how she felt, but that's how I would feel. Um, but this reminds me very recently. So for the past year, Cade has been free to go to school, but Chad and I have had just moments of fear, right? Um, at 15 weeks, when we had those good scans, we put a bucket in our backyard. We said, God, if you put a fish in this bucket, we'll know that we're supposed to be done with chemo. Um, because we had such good scans, they said, it might not ever look better than this. So we're like, then why do we keep going for this much longer and pump our kid with poison, whatever? Um, and we said, God, if you put a fish. So we check the bucket every week. No, no fish. No fish. No fish. We get to our last treatment. Long story short, it gets canceled. We go to pick up the bucket. When he's sent back into school, it has rolled to the edge of the pond. And there's a little bit of water. Chad dumps it out and a fish comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. So we, our oncologist even tells us, trust that fish. We're like, trust that fish. But (laughs) this doesn't seem right. Um, But with the Lord we will wrestle. Like, God, did you really do that? Is that what you really meant? And so our hearts can go back and forth. And um, we had one of those weeks recently where Kay got sick, and just everything starts replaying, and I'm in a low place. And usually when one of us is in a low place, the other is in a high place, but we both were in a low place. So that was scary. And um, we just gotten to the end of our faith. I felt a little bit like Zachariah, like took my faith, and just turned it upside down was like, whatever, I'm so tired, you know, I'm just so tired, and I don't feel like I have strength to remember what you said. And uh, I went to D school, anybody in D school, discipleship school, there's 20 of us, and uh, so anyway, we are, we had someone come in town from Antioch Fullerton, and he was sharing from Mark 11:22. he said, have faith in God. So Jesus just says this simple phrase to his disciples, have faith in God. But it can really be translated, have God's kind of faith or have God's faith. But, and then I began to think about like God is so convinced in his own ability to fulfill his own word. So if I get to the end of my faith, which happens a lot, I can tend to be like, I guess that's it. Like, Gascade, sorry, bud. Like, that's all the faith I had for you to be healed. And instead, I'm invited into having God's kind of faith in his own ability. I love, in D-School too. we've been reading the Bible together. So we just finished Job, and for like the last two chapters of Job, after Job's lost everything, and he's been asking God questions for like 27 chapters, which I think is a really great example of what we should do when hard things happen, is ask questions for 27 chapters and refuse to have an answer, refuse to not let God speak, because then God speaks, and I'm always confused why he speaks this, but for like two chapters, God describes how he keeps a Leviathan as a pet. And the Leviathan is like this sea monster. I and mean, God's just like, this is how big I am. Like, I play with him. And you're talking to me. And like, keep a perspective of how big I am. Because I think if Zechariah had maintained that perspective, he could have had a response like Mary. Because he would have maybe seen, oh, God sees 20 years down the road is when Jesus is going to be born and I'm going to have a son. And God heard that prayer and was like, I want to answer. I am going to answer. You need to keep asking. And instead he gave up. And he stopped praying, and so he had to sort through stuff in order to get to where he needed to be. And I just want to encourage our hearts, whether it's our discouragements or our dreams, to give them to Jesus. I love that the end of both of these stories, they both sing a song. It's kind of strange, like a Disney movie. Zechariah bursts into song, and he says in verse 74 that God is coming, Jesus is coming. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. This verse seemed key to me because I think Zechariah's understanding, I get to serve God without fear. There is like a healthy fear of who God is. But I don't have to be afraid of what he's not going to give me or give me. I think this shows us his heart arrived. And then Mary, she says in verse 48 to 49, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I think that shows that this little Galilean girl sees that all generations are going to call her blessed. Because she moved her dreams. And she said, God, you can do what you want. You can do anything. And I'm, I'm just, let it be to me according to your word. And that's what God's looking for in us. I want to say, too, that, you know, for some of us, we don't get a John the Baptist. The discouragement or the place of disappointment is done. There is no resurrection. Maybe it was a marriage that ended or a job that was lost or someone you love that died like feels like you don't get a john the baptist but we all get a jesus and yahweh is salvation he is restoration he is deliverance no matter where we are in life we don't see the end of the story so i just want to say let's keep making room right let's keep preparing room in our hearts for what god wants to do we have the band come up And you all can stand, we're going to have a time of response, but I want to invite those of you who may not have ever made a choice to follow Jesus. You know, we believe, like, there's some simple ways for us to know, did I make a choice to follow Jesus? First, that we are made to walk with God. We're made to be in right relationship with him. But we're born into sin. Yeah, y'all can stand. And when we're born into sin, our relationship with God is broken, which is why we needed a Savior, which is what Jesus came to be, to bridge the gap between us and God. And today, you can make a choice to receive Jesus, to have that gap bridged in your heart, to have a relationship restored. If you want to make that decision, we're going to have our prayer team come up front, and you can come up and pray with someone. You can pray in your seat. Just invite God into your life. He wants to be so personal and speak to you on a personal level. And he also wants to invite you into the greater thing that he's doing, just like he did for both these characters. And if there are things in your heart that were stirred up, like that disappointment, and it might be messy and it might be embarrassing, but you want prayer for that, please come up. If there's something like a dream or a desire that you're like, man, I feel like God said this, but I'm just going to give it to him again. Come and do that too. Have someone pray for you. That's what this time is for. Come and pray for us. God, we just honor you. We honor you for knowing what we don't know. We honor you for speaking so specifically to our hearts. And I thank you that today you're just calling things to mind that we've forgotten to pray for, the things that we've given up on. And that you're calling things to mind that maybe we're like manipulating like this dream to fit somehow in what you're asking. And maybe it just doesn't fit. We wanna reorient our lives to fit you, to make room. Or whatever you're doing, God, and we want to say yes. So I just ask that you'd move on hearts this morning. I pray that our response would be like Mary, let it be done to us according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can check us out on social media at Antioch Indy or go to our website www.antiochindy.com